Off the back of the podcast with Simon last week, there was a couple of things that I wanted to discuss with you. But prior to that, could you just go over a little bit about your role just acquired and and what you do and equally why I've got you in here today to go over this? Because I think you're a product expert in this kind of stuff. Sure. So my name is Lawrence. I'm one of the product managers at Acquired and I primarily focus on the account to account payment methods that we support. So that includes faster payments, our open banking solution, Pay by Bank, which leverages the faster payment rails, and also direct debit, which we're soon to be releasing. So I suppose where my expertise within this is really focusing on open banking and trying to improve adoption of open banking within our customer portfolio. Awesome. Um, so you've had a listen to the, I've got a phone call coming through. You have had a listen to Simon's podcast. I think there was a couple of things that you raised that you wanted to cover over with me, but the main one was being, or one of the ones was he, I remember him stating that the banking API performance is something that needs to be improved or, or certainly needs attention. But then again, he went on and offended the banks because this is something that was implemented. It's cost a lot of money for the banks. This isn't something they've managed to commercialize yet. So what's your overall thoughts on banking API performance and just why is it free and should it be free in the future? It's a really interesting point that was raised by Simon. So I'm unsure whether I agree that the primary issue with open banking is its cost-free nature. Mm -hmm. However, there needs to be a conversation had about yeah. the performance of the open banking APIs. Mm -hmm. For example, as a payments company, we're focused on delivering uptime of anywhere upwards of 99.999%. By comparison, if you look at the API availability of some of the CMA9, mm -hmm. it's closer to 98%. And ultimately, that creates a subpar performance and a really poor uh, customer experience at times when these APIs aren't available for use. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason we find ourselves in this situation is because the banks don't necessarily have the incentive to improve uh, those APIs. And there's a real lack of incentive there because, as you mentioned, they're currently unable to generate revenue from single immediate payments. So there's no desire for them to improve the performance of these APIs. So I think from a UK standpoint, if we want to achieve our long-term ambitions with open banking, I think what's important is we create an ecosystem. All the players involved in that ecosystem have the incentives and motivation to create something that's valuable for customers. I, the, the question here is really what form should that motivation take? There's an argument that it should be able to commercialize their APIs. Mm -hmm. And when the banks can see the revenue side of things, then they may have the motivation to deliver better performance. However, there's an argument this might not be the case. We can see that currently with commercial mm -hmm. BRPs, a lot of the banks really aren't moving towards that. So there's no guarantee that I think that would deliver. The other side of things is regulation. So we've seen today the introduction of open banking in the UK and Europe was regulatory driven. And we've seen the far better outcomes that's achieved in, in somewhere like the US, for instance, where mm -hmm. it was market-driven. So I think, yeah, there needs to be a conversation had about the performance of these open banking APIs. And I think really it's around how can we provide the right incentives for the banks, but also the other players involved. And yeah, I'm unsure whether that's commercial opportunities or it should be driven by regulation, but the conversation needs to be had. When you say right incentives, 
what could that look like? What have you had a thought or think about that? Do you know what that might look like? I think the commercial incentives is, is the obvious one. Mm-hmm. I think in the same way that Simon defended the banks, I think we have to recognize that today the CMA nine as individual banks have probably spent tens of millions deploying these open banking APIs. And to some extent, probably resent the third parties such as acquired, for example, that access those APIs that deliver products and services to our customers and don't pay a penny for doing so. Mm-hmm. So from the commercial standpoint, there is definitely an argument to be made to allow the banks to commercialize some aspect of that. And if they can see the revenue that they can make from it, then it provides that incentive and that motivation to improve the availability of their APIs and ultimately deliver a better product and service for their customers, but also the, the customers of, of these third parties. And then, as I mentioned, the other one is regulation. Mm. We've seen the positive impact that's had in the UK and Europe. So whether it requires government intervention is another argument. But then I think then what we risk is creating further resentment because again it's kind of government forcing the banks into something and if again if there's not that commercial opportunity then it's another cost to the banks without the ability to to generate revenue from that Mm. yeah i think it's a really interesting topic and again i am going to get simon in again to to go over this because it's a and i want to get you in front of him as well to, to have an open discussion around it all but the second piece that he raised was the whole element of confirmation of payment for example retailers getting notified real time or mm-hmm. as good as real time as we can get it to say that a customer's paid. Yeah. Can you go into that? I know we have a product called Pay by Bank. Yes. What does that look like? And from a, a confirmation of payment perspective, how can merchants almost get that kind of shut eye at night to say, yes, we can get confirmation of payment. And what does that look like for them? So consumers demand seamless experience when engaging with financial products and services. Mm-hmm. And I think what's important is if we want adoption of open banking to improve, to increase consumer adoption, we need to better solve some of the problems that consumers face during the checkout process than other payment methods. Mm-hmm. Because the advantages to merchants, such as instant settlement of funds, it's cost efficient. The advantages are there, but that's not a factor that consumers would consider when choosing open banking above other payment methods at the checkout. And I think PISPs are recognizing this. And I think it's for this reason that they are now partnering with payment providers to provide settlement, dedicated settlement accounts for open banking. Firstly, this provides confirmation of those funds landing the account, and that can be used to notify the merchant, but also the customer that payment has been accepted. And in a scenario where a merchant wanted to ship goods, they can they have a confirmation that the funds have landed in their account, and they can then ship the goods confident knowing that they have those funds. So I think that's one aspect of it, but more than that, it allows them to the ability to offer instant refunds and also payouts to that customer. Mm. Simon mentions that as well as a, a refund being a key piece that probably does need to be discussed at a wider level when it comes to open banking. Yeah. So the mechanism isn't there within the open banking APIs. Mm-hmm. So if we want, we think about retail being one of the largest sectors in the UK uh, for payments. Mm-hmm then refunds is naturally part of that payment life cycle. So it's important that if a consumer makes a payment via open banking, that the merchant has the ability to offer them a refund. So if we think about a scenario without dedicated settlement accounts, there are open banking providers traditionally that in a scenario if the customer bought a jumper via open banking, 
the jumper arrives, it's the wrong size, wrong color, whatever, customer demands a refund, the open banking provider was sending an email to that customer asking and requesting for their account number, sort code, account name, so that they could then execute a faster payment or a refund back to that customer. Now, that's obviously a poor experience, mm. and it naturally adds a lot of friction into that refund journey. But if we think about that same scenario with the option of this dedicated settlement account, when the money lands in the account, you can reconcile it to the open banking payment. You have visibility of those underlying customer details. And in that same scenario, you simply look up the customer's account name, sort code account number, and then just execute a faster payment transaction back to them. So not only does that provide a better refund process within the open banking world, but also a far better mechanism than it would be via card, for example. We've all bought something off ASOS. You send it back, they receive the item, you get an email to say, great, we'll return the funds within five, seven days. Yeah. By comparison with open banking, the customer can receive that refund in real time and then perhaps use the, the, the funds received through that refund to buy another product and service through that same merchant's website. So I'm getting the kind of, the more research I do around open banking and, and equally look at our pay by bank products, it's a, I feel like it's a very merchant driven payment method. Mm-hmm. However, other payment methods that we've got on hosted checkout would be very consumer driven, Apple mm-hmm. Pay, Google Pay. Do you ever think that we're going to get to a point where we could potentially see a user journey with open banking that is as not as quick because I still don't think we're ever going to get to as quick as Apple Pay. I yeah. think that's just far too quick. Yeah. But do you ever think we could get to a point where pay by bank rivals that kind of checkout process? Yeah, we can. I think we can look at within our environment. We can see that conversion rate for open banking is tends to be you know better than what it is through card. Naturally, because you're removing the the need for that customer to manually input card number, billing details, CVV, and other things. Already, open banking provides an accelerated checkout experience when compared to card. I think it will come, and it will get to a point of being able to challenge Apple Pay, Google Pay, and, and other wallets. But I think it's important to recognize that innovation in payments takes time. Mm. It's currently a relatively new method, but I think as consumer adoption improves, then yeah, I think naturally innovative organizations will look to improve the experience they can offer. I think particularly when we think about VRPs and recurring element, I think when that is realized within the market, Mm. I think that the recurring element that open banking provides will rival any other recurring method. I look forward to seeing the day. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Yeah, I'm sure not the only ones. No, true, true. So I want to get onto fraud. I think fraud is an interesting topic when it comes to pay by bank. Simon quoted, and I'm going to read it off my iPad here. He says, I think confirmation of payee is the most powerful anti-fraud tool I've ever seen in aggregation. Now, can you go into open banking, the fraud elements, and essentially how we can combat and help us fight fraud? I think fraud within card payments is potentially just a necessary evil it's always going to drive innovation it's always keeping things moving forward uh, however we don't like it how does open banking combat that and take me through that so i guess when we think of confirmation of payee it's important to recognize like app fraud so authorized push payment fraud is when a, a fraudster tricks an individual into making a bank transfer into an account into the fraudster account but often believing that it belongs to someone else a prime example of this is the scammer, you know, calling you up. I bank with Halifax, calling me up, convincing me to send a bank transfer to an account that I believe is owned by Matt West, but it's actually owned by the fraudster. And the way in which they do that is they would encourage the account name to be populated as being uh, Halifax, for example. And previously, traditionally anyway, 
There was no verification against the account name held at that bank, which means that from the consumer's perspective, they would believe that they would be paying that way. Halifax, for example, but there's no verification on the account name, so there's no way that you would know that it was going elsewhere. However, confirmation of payee is designed to tackle that. So really what it does is it verifies the account name held at the bank. So in that same in that same scenario, for example, if the scam was asking me to make this payment, put the account name as Halifax, at that point it would immediately flag. So this isn't the account name on file. This is the account name. And at that point it may trigger something in the consumer to know that something's not right. Mm-hmm. And if we, to understand the scale of APP fraud, I think last year alone there was almost 200,000 cases of APP fraud and it's close to 500 million in, in gross losses. Mm. So it is a huge issue. Confirmation of pay is, yeah, obviously a huge thing to mm-hmm. tackle that and is helping reduce APP fraud. But there is complexity around that as well. One of the key things that the payment system regulator has introduced is the shared liability. Previously, banks were very reluctant to refund customers who fell victim to APP fraud because it's not a, it's a push payment so it's the customer actively making this bank transfer yeah. to the account yeah even though they've been manipulated and tricked into doing that and mm-hmm. the bank's response was that you've knowingly done this often they would give a warning to the customer but when the customer's in that moment feeling that pressure they ignore that warning and, and, and proceed anyway but the change really is that the banks will now share liability for the cost of reimbursing those victims of app fraud so that cost will be shared between the receiving bank and the sending bank. Interesting here is the potential negative impact that could have on open banking payments. One of the key advantages of open banking payments is obviously the is very cost efficient yeah. when compared to card. However, we can already see that some banks are declining open banking payments over a certain value. And there, there's no real uniform dis- decisioning behind that. Each bank has different thresholds. And the concern here is that as soon as payments of a certain amount are attempted, that banks may blanket decline these or perhaps introduce like a compliance firewall where they'll sit and manually be reviewed before they're accepted. And this is to mitigate the risk of them losing funds from having to reimburse customers, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, there is a potential for it to really have a negative impact on the cost of open banking payments. Even though I think open banking, the likelihood of an open banking payment being fraudulent is far less than it is of being a manual bank transfer. And that's naturally because the merchants that are leveraging open banking will have been onboarded by our PAISP and their mm-hmm. details can be held on file and, and other things. Yeah, yeah. confirmation of pay, huge for tackling APP fraud. Again, there's this new piece of regulation coming in that's encouraging banks to share the cost of reimbursing customers and to accept responsibility that they should be having their own processes in place to manage that. But there, are, there is reason to be cautious and to it's important that we, yeah, we can manage that accordingly so they're not negatively impacting you know, a very new and innovative and safe payment method in the UK. Because I bank with Barclays, so I always have to give Barclays almost a reason for a bank transfer now. So if I want to set up a new payee, it will, like you say, it will give me confirmation of payee. It Mm -hmm. will give me a green tick if the, if the sort code account number and the name matches those details. Mm -hmm. Once I then input the amount that I want to send, it will then ask me what it's for. So Mm -hmm. is it friends and family? Is it business? Is it leisure? Is it will give me a few categories that I can then send. And I almost feel like that's like a bit of a, 
bit of an MCC code when yeah. it comes to like card transactions. Yeah. I think we are moving in the right ways and these things are happening. So like you say, these things take time. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And I think that now that the banks have a piece of regulation that will force them to reimburse customers that fall victim to APB fraud, we will increasingly see banks adopt processes and increase maybe friction during the point of trying to make manual bank transfers to manage that risk and, and kind of handle that process and, and ultimately reduce the number of people that fall victim to APP fraud. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. I think a lot of banks will do that. But I think, again, it's not a bad thing. They're doing it with either the loss of revenue or, or the customer is at the yeah. forefront of the mind in making those decisions. And hopefully it'll increase the adoption of, of open banking payments mm. and banks may motivate encourage consumers to go down that route knowing that it reduces the likelihood of APP fraud. But we can't wait to see the day. We can't yeah. wait to see the day where we're all checking out on just using faster payments and, and pay by bank as a payment method, right? Yeah, I look forward to it as well. Nice one. Cool.